Well, the, the little boy with the drum had a problem. People were saying to him, come, come, come see the new baby. We're going to see him. And look at these gifts that we're bringing to lay before him, to honor him. Well, the little boy was disheartened because he was poor. And he had no fine gift to bring to this baby, but he went along anyway. And when he looked at that baby, the boy honestly confessed, I am a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. But I can play my drum for you. And so he did. And the boy noticed as he played his drum, then he smiled at me. Pa-rumpa-pum-pum, me and my drum. I think this song captures so beautifully the unexpected nature of the gospel. Right beside these finest of gifts from the wealthiest of people, gold, frankincense, myrrh, gifts the world valued as fit for a king, beside them was this most insignificant gift offered by the poorest of poor, and the Lord smiled upon both the gift and the giver. A smiling Lord is a beautiful image upon which you and I should dwell. And it's a biblical image as well. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst He is a mighty one to save. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will exult over you with loud singing. A rejoicing Savior is a smiling Savior, and He's smiling over His people. 1 John 4, verse 10, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a propitiation for our sins. Since my days in seminary, I've heard propitiation defined this way. It's Jesus turning God's frown into a smile. And that's what happened, is it not, on the cross. The Father smiled upon the sacrifice that His Son made. Because through His Son, through His sacrifice... The sin that requires the wrath of God and produces a frown is turned away. And so he smiles because now God can receive to himself and receive into his glory many, many, many sons and daughters like you and like me. Do you feel the smile of the Lord on you on whatever you have that you offer to Him. You see, I think sometimes there's a little of the little drummer boy lurking in each of us, fearing, for whatever reason, that that smile will not be there. Not for us, anyway. This morning, I must tell you that you and I must remember the favor of the Lord. We must live In the favor of the Lord. We must live out of the favor of the Lord. 
And that's what we're going to talk about as we return this morning to 1 Peter, the second chapter. So I'll ask you now to take your Bibles. If you're using one in the pew in front of you, you'll find the passage on page uh, 1014. And when you've found your place in God's Word, let's stand so that we might hear read together the Word of the living God. First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, this is the word of the Lord. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am... Laying in Zion a stone, a corner stone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come now to your word to see the excellencies of Christ in it, we ask now that once again your spirit would join your word. Transformation, we pray, would take place. Sanctification in our lives as you help us know more and more who you are and as you turn us more and more into the likeness of Christ. We pray that you would do that in us and through us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Last week when we looked at these verses, we saw the identity that God has given to us and how that identity should affect our lives, which we defined as the dash, the dash that is between or will be between the date of our birth and the date of our death. God has made us, his people, you and me, to be priests, to serve him. Last week, We saw as well the the fixed identity that God has given to human beings from the time he created Adam and Eve and placed them in that garden slash sanctuary in the midst of Eden. At that point, their identity was fixed. And as the only ones in all of creation who were created in God's image, they were just that. They were the image of God in the sanctuary. Secondly, we looked at the function that was given to them. Like priests were going to be required to do later, God commanded them that they should work and keep that sacred place. And as God's only image bearers, they represented God to creation and creation to God. And so in that sense, Adam and Eve 
were the connection between heaven and earth. Now, in the verses before us, Peter reminds us that through Christ we are restored to and can reclaim that identity, that role of priest that was lost in the Garden of Eden and function then out of it. Now, let's say that the Spirit of God was at work through His Word last week, and we know that it is, and that you saw your life in a different way, and that you thought about your dash differently, and you felt compelled to use your dash in a more priestly way. What do you need now to do that well? To be a joyful priest, to be an eager priest. Well, in addition to knowing that your identity is fixed, in addition to knowing the function that God has given you as a high priest, you and I need to know as well the favor of God. The favor of God. Look in the second part of verse 5. Peter writes, You are a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I understand that inquiring minds would like to know exactly what spiritual sacrifices are. And I had a list prepared to give to you this morning. But should I go through that list, you would be sitting there a lot longer than you would want to be sitting there. And besides that, at the end of the list, I was going to wrap it all up with these big, sweeping, all-inclusive verses, broad verses, like the ones I'm getting ready to read, don't provide an easy checklist for you and for me of what to do and what to check off. Instead, they require that you and I think deeply, that we dive in deeply with the Lord about what a spiritual sacrifice actually is. I read this one last week, Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So there you have it. Your whole body, all of your being, should be offered to God as a sacrifice. We had an elder here at Redeemer many years ago, and he is now with the Lord. But he used to always say about this verse, he would say, Craig, you know the problem with living sacrifices? I would say, no. What's the problem with living sacrifices? He would say, living sacrifices are always crawling off the altar. That's true, is it not? You and I have to do the hard work. We've got to figure out what offering all of our life looks like. We've got to figure out how it is to keep ourselves on that altar as a sacrifice to the Lord. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, offering, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
do all to the glory of God. See, the reality is that you and I are never not priests. This act of offering spiritual sacrifices is not a nine-to-five, five-day-a-week job. So with that in mind, let's get back to the passage before us. Again, verse 5. Peter could have made this verse shorter. He could have written, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices, period. And that would be right and true, and that would be what is required of us. But look at this. Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, added this little phrase, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What a kindness to, and what hope for the little drummer boy that lurks within all of us. What a corrective to our lives when you and I don't feel the smile of God on us or what we do. The truth here presented is that every person and every deed, everyone, can find acceptance if we offer ourselves and our deeds through Christ. Does that sound like good news to you? If something is acceptable, it simply means that that thing or that person elicits favor. It means that that thing or that person is welcome. And that brings great comfort to us and the potential for stunning possibilities. Think about it. The favor on and the acceptance of whatever we do, if we do it through Christ. Listen, the time of the Lord's favor upon us, it's, it's now. After Jesus was baptized and after he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness and triumphed over him on that occasion, Jesus launched his public ministry. And his first appearance was in the synagogue in his own hometown of Nazareth. And out of all the scripture and all of the Old Testament that Jesus could have chosen for this inaugural reading, he chose this one that his spirit had inspired Isaiah, the prophet, to write. Was it Jesus' favorite? Who knows? But Jesus took the scroll and he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now is the time of God's acceptance. Now is the time of God's approval. Because it pleases God to bestow His favor on us. Because God has been waiting to smile on the world, to smile on you and me through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The time of the Lord's favor has come. 
And I don't tell you a new truth. Preachers rarely tell you anything you haven't heard before. I just remind you of an old, old one. As the hymn writer notes, I love to tell the story. For those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And that's because I think like another hymn so aptly describes us, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. And so you and I needed to be reminded of this old, old truth of the acceptance and favor and welcome that we have with the Father. Because I think you and I sometimes hesitate outside that curtain too long. The curtain that was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross. We watch others go through that open curtain. We send others there ourselves, but too often we don't go. We must accept that God has made us priests and the place that priests belong are in the holy place. We enter and we enter through Christ and that pleases God and it draws His smile and His favor. So don't forget you are accepted by God through Christ. You are pleasing to God through Christ. You are pleasing to God through Christ. Is that good news? We read this phrase over and over in the Old Testament. And it's a good image to bear in mind when we come before the Lord. Multiple times in describing the sacrifices that the priests were to make on the altar, it says this, The priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Is that not a beautiful image to inspire and encourage us? Every sacrifice you make, if you make it through Jesus, it's acceptable to God. If you sacrifice your time and you do it through Christ, acceptable to God. If you sacrifice your money and you do it through Christ, acceptable to God. It doesn't matter what the offering is. If you do it through Christ, it's welcome and acceptable to God. Through simply means via. Through indicates means or instrumentality by which something is accomplished. Now, I hope that you will not find this next illustration demeaning of the gospel or the work of Christ on the cross. That's not my intention, but this is what came to my mind. I think of this as a cosmic car wash. You know, your car is filthy, and you drive up to the car wash, and you put your car in park, and you take your hands off the steering wheel, and you take your foot off the pedals, and a belt moves you and your car through the soap sprays, and through the brushes, and through the air blasts, and so when you have gone through the wash, your car is clean on the other side. So listen, because this is what's important. It's not the quality 
or what you believe is the importance of the sacrifice that you make that receives the focus of God. Because all of our acts, according to Scripture, are like filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. All our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. What is important is how those deeds and how we ourselves are presented to God. We offer the sacrifice to Christ, imperfect as it may be, and it passes through His hands. And in His hands, it's washed and it's refined so that when Christ presents it to the Father, they are clean, they are good, they are acceptable. That sacrifice wasn't that until Christ touched it. You and I weren't that. We're still not that apart from the touch of Christ. But when we pass through His hands, we have the righteousness of Christ before the Father. Look what I have done for this one, Jesus might say to the Father. The Father looks at us through Christ and the dirty becomes clean. Is that good news? And it's a joy for the Father to look on the work of His Son. And so you see, Christ really is everything, is He not? He's all in all through Christ. Everything is acceptable to God. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for living our lives well as priests? Well, it means lots of things. But at the very least, and maybe the most importantly, it means this one thing. That you and I must be people of prayer. Because you know what prayer does? Prayer makes us conscious of the always presence of Christ with us. Never will I leave you or forsake you, he promised. And so prayer puts us in constant conversation with the one who is always with us. And it reminds us throughout the course of our days to constantly say to him, Here, Lord, here, take, take my life, take my days, take my moments, take my hands, take my feet, take my voice, take my lips, take my silver, take my gold, take my intellect. Take my will, take my heart, take my love, take me. Through prayer to Christ, we lift ourselves up to Him, our sacrifices, and He takes them from us. And when all of our sacrifices pass through His hands, they are blessed. And so I hope this morning you'll be inspired to pray. I hope you will Never forget that priests always have access to God. I hope as well that you are excited about the possibilities. What things you are free to do. What things you are inspired to do. Because whatever it is, it's acceptable if you offer it to God through Jesus Christ. I hope you feel empowered as well. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, what? 
All things through Christ who strengthens me. And you're gifted as well. Right after Paul writes what he does about living sacrifices in the first two chapters of Romans 12, Romans 12, he writes this, We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Take your gift, use your gift, and whatever use you make of it, offer it through Christ. Now is the time of God's favor. The smile of God rests upon us through Christ. The little drummer boy had the sense to go to Jesus even though he felt unworthy. He gave Jesus all he had and that was enough. That got the smile and so may it be for you and me that we would live in and live out of the favor that God lavishes on us through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are such a lavish God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the work that you have done for us on the cross. Because of that and that alone, Lord, we find acceptance with God. Acceptance that means favor and favor that means a smile. Fathers, we go from this place. May we be people who are conscious of your favor and your smile upon us. As we come to you, always and only through the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.